Time now for Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast on 101 ESPN. Great to have you with us. It is the Wednesday edition of Scoops with Danny Mac. I'm Dan McLaughlin. And my guest today will be Brian Walden of thecardinalnation.com. He covers the St. Louis Cardinals, also the minor league system of the St. Louis Cardinals. We got word yesterday about 3 o'clock St. Louis time that the minor league season was officially canceled in baseball. Really sad day. Really sad day for the players, broadcasters, writers, those that make a living off the sport. Officially canceled yesterday. Hopeful that it comes back in 2021. As I mentioned with Randy and Michelle, the crossover, it's a family business for so many. It's a community-oriented business. And players' dreams, um, you know, for the time being, shattered. Can't play. For some, they will be part of the top prospects, like for the Cardinals that go to Springfield. They continue to work on, you know, their game. They won't play games, but continue to work with coaches. Uh, there could be inter-squad, those kind of things. But a minor league season is lost for 2020, and we'll talk it over with Brian Walden. As I always say, I hope I make you think... You always make me think, and um, I love that because uh, I don't have all the answers, and um, I want you guys to make me think. So, 65780 Air Comfort Service text line, Rhino Shield, mic drop. One of the questions that I posed to Randy and Michelle, and I'll pose this to you it is July 1st. And for me, this is kind of the date I have been looking for when we've been talking about since March 12th, which was the day that I broadcast the last game the Cardinals played in spring training. It was the day that baseball shut down. And we actually had the last, at least for baseball, meaningful game that was on the air. It was a meaningful game in terms of a game that was live in baseball. But starting today, is this one of the most important months if not the most important month in the history of North American sports. And I mean that sincerely. Baseball, hockey, basketball, college and pro football, they try to come back this month. So let's start to break it down. Major League Baseball, start with that. Players returning to their home cities today, July 1st. First full team workouts this weekend. Tim Kirkchen of ESPN. How far will they bend when a team is hit with the virus? Well, this is an enormous issue. And when you look at the NBA, the NBA is worried and they're only in one spot in a bubble situation. Baseball's gonna be in 30 different venues, including in some really hot spots. And again, unlike the NBA, these players are going to leave the ballpark every day in a hot spot area and then come back. There's no telling who they could conceivably come in contact with, and then it's possible they come in and infect teammates, which could lead to all sorts of issues. Well, it could, and that's part of the risk that you run, but there's so much on the line. Uh, Obviously, 17, 18 months ago, dark, billions of dollars at risk. Buster Olney of ESPN. My projections are based on what I'm hearing at the team level about how this is all playing out. 
You know, I've heard phrases like false hustle. Uh, you know, why are we doing this? This is crazy. Um, yeah, and a lot of it, obviously, is because there's things going on that are completely outside of the control of Major League Baseball. Um, you know, I wrote in a column the other day that for baseball to attempt to restart right now is like getting into a sailboat as you see the outer bands of a hurricane on the horizon. <laughs> because you think about, you know, the surge in numbers, about 160,000 new cases in this country over the last four days. And they're all centered in the most important states for Major League Baseball. Florida, Texas, Arizona, California, where so many players live. And so what I'm hearing at the team level is, great, all of these guys are going to be getting on planes to go to and report to their respective teams amid all these uh, surging numbers. And there's a lot of curiosity uh, and a lot of concern about what the, the positive test numbers are uh, later this week. Understood. We're going to find out more. And that's I'm, I'm going to try to caution fans. I think we're going to hear about those positive tests starting probably more today, certainly this weekend, as the players funnel in from those cities and funnel in from around the country and outside the country. But you take it with caution. Uh, the players are now going to be tested and tested a bunch, and you're going to hear about those positive tests. But then they quarantine. They have to have two negative tests to get back in. And once they're in, then you hope there is a lot of self-policing among veterans with younger players. Coaches told, don't go anywhere. The manager, the same thing. If you're inside the clubhouse, be careful. That's all part of it. Jesse Rogers of ESPN has done a wonderful job covering the economics of the sport and now turns his attention to those in uniform. What would it take to shut down a season in MLB? The best answer I've gotten is we'll know it when we see it which is not a great answer. Obviously, large, very large number of positive tests is going to take a large number of players out of their locker rooms, out of their stadiums. At some point, it won't be enough to perform, right? If we're talking hundreds and hundreds of positive tests, whether that be starting today or in the near future, once games start and teams start traveling. So I don't know what that number is, but if hundreds of players are testing positive and they're out of the lineup and in the lineup and out of the lineup for days, weeks on end. That's going to pause the game. Again, certainly. Yeah, again, it comes down to probably the commissioner in conjunction with GMs, presidents of baseball operations with, uh, you know, the, the Players Association and players themselves talking about this too. collective effort, talking about the health and safety protocols. Do they feel safe? All those things. Um, I think it's fluid as they go along and how comfortable they feel with this. But applaud them for trying. We'll see if it works. Again, as I said before, starting today, July 1st, such an important day with Major League Baseball as those players report. Now, off to the NHL, the National Hockey League. July 10th, huge date for them. Again, this is fluid. That would be phase three. They still, though, have to ratify their CBA, Collective Bargaining Agreement, and the health and safety protocols. So July 10th, Phase 3, that's home cities, that's training camps. Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic was a guest of Ribs and BK yesterday. Talking about players around the league, they really wonder if this is worth it. I've heard from a lot of players who, I can tell you, they don't want to play. And, and I think uh, when you look at uh, the negotiations that are going on, everything to date has been mostly about... How can we get back on the ice in terms of making this work 
financially, and a lot of the players feel that there hasn't been enough talk on the safety. So don't know what you've heard, but it, it seems like as we get closer, a lot of these players are questioning whether this is worth it or not. A key, though, there, ratifying the CBA. Heard a lot about that with Major League Baseball. I would assume they get that done. I, you know, probably over the weekend, that's got to get done. If they're going to get back to July 10th, which is the home cities, you get the team back, they're on the ice, then they have to start being careful before they head to the bubble, off to the National Basketball Association, the NBA. And you're starting to hear more and more about the players saying, again, is it worth it getting into the bubble? Their return date, July 30th. Brian Windhorst of ESPN. Well, you know, the NBA last week disclosed that 16 players tested positive just last week. Um, so we knew that those guys were out there uh, without question. But the fact that guys have started testing positive in the facilities, uh, both players and staff members, is obviously concerning. And I would say that a week ago, as I talked to executives, players, and and staff members, that there was a concern about this, but they were all pretty you know, anxious to go, which is why we haven't seen many players and other people pull out so far. A week later, it's really changing a little bit. Not only the numbers in Florida, but also more positive testing at these, uh, uh, you know, at these uh, facilities. Plus, we've had some positive tests in other bubbles, such as on the PGA Tour. You know, it's another week before the teams start leaving to go to Florida. The confidence level in that in this, this next week is going to be fragile. And that's why this is crunch time. You know, we could talk about these dates a few weeks ago and. It was kind of an arbitrary day, and you say, well, you know, we're getting closer. Okay, well, now we're close. Now it's got to happen. Now it's got to happen, and players have to ask themselves, is it worth it? And as the virus is spiking in certain parts of the country, players are asking themselves, is it truly worth it? NFL, think about this. Have you thought about this? The National Football League, 18 days. The rookies for the Texans report. That's in 18 days for the NFL. And college football, we've seen Clemson has had nearly 40 players, I believe. They've had positive tests. And as far as college football, there have been spikes on certain campuses, spikes on certain teams. ESPN's Paul Feinbaum. Yeah, I think for the first time, we're, we're probably at about 50% uh, to start the season uh, on time. And you know, finishing it, is, is, is uh, I, I think it goes below that. Um, but these are numbers that were a month ago. I thought it was a hundred percent. I mean, that's how confident I was. Uh, so, so these numbers are slipping. And I, I think if you're with, if, if I, if I happen to be with you in a week or two, the numbers are going to go down. I mean, right now it's a little hard to, to predict what's ahead, but I, I just want to hear an honest, uh, portrayal from someone in intercollegiate athletics. And I have yet to hear that in the three months that we've been having this conversation. So here we are, July 1st. Where are we August 1st? This was such an important date. And again, it's the question I pose. Is this one of the most important months in the history of North American sports? And I realize it's dramatic, but yet think about what happens if these sports don't come back. And it's dramatic in the fact of the financial aspect of it. But start thinking about what it means if you don't have hockey. You don't have the NBA. Those guys don't come back maybe till December or January. That's almost a year. Baseball, it's 17 or 18 months. 
college football, it's over a year. Pro football, maybe it could be over a year. I mean, it's stunning. And the trickle-down effect of, let's say, college football. If you don't play college football and you have a son or daughter, you're listening to this show, and they play baseball at a lesser school. They're not in an SEC school. What does that mean for your college uh, tuition for that kid? I mean, just little things like that. It's little for me to say, but not for you. That's Maybe you have to pay that tuition. The scholarship money. It's incredible what sports means on so many levels. So that's why this is a huge month and what sports means on so many different levels. So many different levels. The businesses in downtown St. Louis, potentially. The businesses across the country. What sports means and trying to get it back this month. 65780. Air Comfort Service text line, Rhino Shield, mic drop. Now, I'm going to play one more soundbite. And you may wonder, you probably have heard this or read it on social media. Or you hear about it every July 1st if you're a baseball fan. It's Bobby Bonilla Day in Major League Baseball. Okay, so Bobby Bo gets a little more than $1.1 million through the year. 2035 paid by the Mets. Okay, the GM at the time that worked this deal out, he had, I think, a little over $5 million left on a deal. They were going to cut him. The GM at that time... Steve Phillips, he was on Stadium this morning and explained how this all worked. Listen, to go back to this and understand what it was, and, and is that, you know, Bobby Bonilla, we were going to release him. And, and instead of paying him the $5.9 million, ownership said, I wonder if we can defer it and then make money on his money. You know, give him a level of interest and then invest the money with Bernie Madoff. Now, remember, Bernie Madoff was very dear and close friends to Fred Wilpon. Uh, uh, the owner of the New York Mets. They would vacation at times together. Madoff would go to, he went to Japan when we started the season in 2000 in Japan. He was at all of the, the opening day parties. And so he was around quite a bit. I heard his name, you know, every week, every week for the 13 years I was in the Mets front office, I heard Bernie Madoff's name because he was part of an investment vehicle for the team. And so we were deferring the money. The idea was, hey, Steve, go to the accounting department and see that if we pay out a certain level of interest, what we make off of Bonilla's money, if the market did this or did that or bottomed out, you know, what would it take? How would it play out? And so the idea was not just to sort of defer the money for Bonilla, but to make money on his money. And some of the projections had us making as much as, as from $40 million to $65 million on his 5.9, deferring it out 10 years in an investment and then paying it out over 25. The idea was, it was an investment vehicle for the team that they'd make money on his money and he'd still get the benefit of it. So obviously the Madoff thing kind of blew up. We also did that with Mo Vaughn. He, we deferred some part of his contract too. $5 million deferred out, he paid him 10 million. But when he got hurt and couldn't play anymore, we collected insurance on the entire 15 million, even though we deferred 5 million out. And then we invested the insurance money in the Madoff fund, and they were going to make some money on that too. So it was a real investment vehicle for the Mets, and, and they absolutely had no idea what Madoff was doing, obviously. And it came back to bite them, as it, and they were victimized as much as many other people were as well. Oh, my goodness. Bernie Madoff to Bobby Bo. Over 1.1 coming his way July 1st through the year 2035. That's why he gets it. Thanks to Bernie Madoff.
636, Danny Mac, I absolutely love your show, and you did make me think why this is such an important month. By the way, every July 1st, my first 1.15 beers are dedicated to Bobby Bonilla. Um, Danny Mac, uh, love the show. Good morning. The past three months, all anyone on TV or sports talk radio has been saying is that they want sports and that the country needs it now that we're a week or two away from having sports. Everyone wants to talk about the negatives of starting sports. We know that the negatives are there. Uh, let's just talk about the positives. Well, I'm just talking about reality and why this is such an important month. And again, it's not negative. It's just reality that comes along with it. We're going to talk about one of the sad days in baseball, I think, yesterday. And that's the loss of a minor league season. That's next on 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. A Wednesday, and as always, we visit with Brian Walton of thecardinalnation.com. We knew it was coming, but still a sad day yesterday. If you are a baseball fan like myself, like Brian Walton, who loves uh, minor league baseball, has made a living off minor league baseball, covering the sport, specifically uh, the Cardinals minor leagues, and it is the uh, the, the final uh, say that uh, minor league baseball is done for the year. Uh, Brian, good morning to you as always. How are things? Fine, Dan. I just want to point out that it's been a very modest living, but I do thank those who support us through uh, subscribing to the Cardinal Nation. Unfortunately, you know, a number of minor league teams uh, and their employees, the, the local workers, are going to you know have an extremely tough year because there will be no minor league baseball in the 160 affiliated uh, locations across the country. So that not only means that players won't play, but uh, stadium workers and, and all, you know, won't be able to have the opportunity to have their jobs this summer either. And it's the first time in the history of, of baseball that the minor leagues haven't been able to play. Yeah, and we should mention that uh, the Cardinal Nation rolls on because it's not just the minor leagues that you cover. You cover the draft. You cover uh, the Cardinals in Major League Baseball. But uh, just your thoughts on, on no minor league baseball for the first time in, in so many years, so many decades. Well, it's it's just disappointing. It's unfortunate. But, I mean, the reality of the virus and the situation and the, the different regulations in the states and the, and the municipalities, it's just made this uh, a reality that all the approvals necessary for fans to go to games just aren't going to happen. And they can't play in empty stadiums like the major leaguers because minor league baseball team revenue is based solely on what are called game day revenues, which are – tickets, concessions, parking. And so without fans, they don't have those revenues. Now, the MLB organizations provide the players, and they've said, hey, you know, we're not going to provide the players this year. But, you know, I'm sure if the minor league teams could have found ways to allow fans in stadiums, there, there would have been a season. Ultimately, uh, losing 2020 is, is chalked up to the coronavirus. In terms of what happens with the players and the fallout there, now we do know that, for instance, the Cardinals will have a camp, if you will, the top prospects will be in Springfield. But there's so many players that need development. What happens with those players now? Well, they're going to have to continue to work out on their own primarily. Now, the one positive, and it is an important positive, is that the Cardinals have announced that they will pay all of their minor leaguers through the end of the season, the end of the minor league season, which is you know typically Labor Day. They're continuing to pay them the $400 per week. So, you know, that's a positive. Um, there'll be 16 players that will be invited to Springfield 
in what is called the alternate training site. They haven't come up with a catchy name for that. Um, and that 16 in Springfield will grow when St. Louis reduces its 44 down to the opening day 30. So, you know, by the by opening day, the July 23rd, 24th, they'll be up to 30 players in Springfield, and they'll work out and scrimmage against one another and stay ready. And one of the things that John Mosellock said over the weekend is that, assuming that there aren't is with coronavirus players among the 44 in St. Louis, he expects the majority of this group that will be in Springfield to be prospects. So, you know, we'll have to wait and see when they announce what that means. But it could not only mean, you know, the Nolan Gormans and the Liberators and Thompsons are involved, but maybe even some of the players that were drafted this year. Uh, we don't know yet, but it certainly looks like the group in Springfield will will be pretty young. Uh, those players are there as a reserve in case the major league team needs help, but there should be enough other guys when you've got a pool of 60 uh, to be able to ensure that St. Louis has help if, if needed due to injury. And is there any chance then that those teams somehow, some way, could play other affiliates with other organizations, or is is that completely off the table at this point? Well, I haven't heard it be put on the table. Uh, as you can imagine, the the locations. Well, Major League Baseball stipulated that they wanted all these um, alternate training sites to be within a hundred miles of the Major League City. Sure. So. Uh, the Cardinals actually got a, a little bit of a waiver for Springfield because it's technically out, just outside of 100 miles. But the point being, you know, they're spread all over the place, and there hasn't been any talk at all about, you know, putting people on buses or that kind of thing. But the good news is that the core of players, like I said, will be at least 30. So there'll be a good enough number of players that, you know, they'll be able to play each other. But, you know, that, that will get boring. But, hey, that's what spring training and extended spring training is about. The other point I just want to make about players is uh, just – the other day, uh, word came out that organizational players will be allowed, at the discretion of the major league team, to play in independent ball if they want to try to keep in playing shape. Now, the reality is fewer independent league teams are playing this year for the same reasons that the minor leagues can't play. And so there aren't as many spots to go around. There are these hundreds of minor leaguers who were just released, so everybody's looking for jobs. But probably the most important consideration for a player, if if I'm part of an, organi- an organization like the Cardinals, if I go play independent ball, there's a risk that I get injured. And if I get injured, the organization may or may not decide they want to keep me around. So, you know, some players right now are, are wary of, you know, even trying to consider playing independent ball because it could put their career at risk if things don't go well. What about the testing for those players in Springfield? Is it similar to what we're hearing about with the players now coming back into the Major League camps? Yes, we don't have all the details yet, but the expectation is that they will use uh, very, very similar protocols uh, at the Major League level to ensure these these players are, are safe. Okay. Um, in now, t- but again, like like we said, but they're not going to be traveling. So you know, their their contact uh, will only be you know when they're away from the ballpark. It won't be going to other cities. Any any players that you anticipate being in Springfield, Brian, that you keep an eye on outside of the names that we've heard that you mentioned earlier, Libertor, Gorman, uh, some of the others, uh, Zach Thompson, that that you'll keep an eye on that you know. We'll work with, also get into the the coaches that will be a part of this, too. Who who are some of the coaches and managers that will be a part of this as well? Well, they haven't announced all the minor league staffs, but one of the things that, that uh, John Mosellock was very clear about was that Jose Akendo will be 
initially in the group in St. Louis, and then he'll also go down to Springfield as some of these players are cut from the 44 as they get down to 30. Uh, you know, those are the key names that we talked about. But, you know, again, if the, if the draft picks are, are involved, Jordan Walker could be there, Mason Wynn, Tank Hentz, but also some of the top players taken last year, Thompson, uh, Andre Palante, Tony Losey, are guys that, that might play uh, as well. So, oh, uh, Trey John Fletcher, again, very young. But if they make this a prospect camp, they could take some guys that have never played outside a short season. Um, Gil, the shortstop, uh, is one. John Torres, outfielder. So there's a number of guys that uh, uh, Nunez, the third baseman, of course, you know, hit so well in the Dominican a couple years ago. So there's a lot of candidates for those, uh, for those 16 jobs. Brian Walden of thecardinalnation.com with us every Wednesday. Um, 40 teams eliminated. Uh, we're going to hear about more and more about that as the minor league season now officially eliminated from Major League Baseball. But we're hearing about going in next season, 40 teams being eliminated. We don't know officially what 40 teams are going to be, though, eliminated, do we? No, there's been a lot of work behind the scenes where affiliates are trying to decide what their future should be. There's been rumors that some may decide that they want to go the independent route, but that means that they would have to pick up costs of player procurement and salaries for the players and coaches because in today's model, the major league parent handles all the expenses involved in the, with you know staffing the team with players and, and providing a, a manager and coaches. So, But yes, Major League Baseball is still on their plan which will basically have four full season affiliates per organization. And then the organization will be allowed to have camps uh, in their spring training locations in Florida and Arizona. But what that means is that whole next tier of short season ball, which for the Cardinals includes state college, Johnson city, uh, those, those teams will go away. And the point, while there's a lot of organizations, you know, trying to, there's a lot of cities trying to fight to save their teams. Um, if one gets in, that just means another one is going to have to go out because Major League Baseball's plans seem pretty strong, pretty firm right now. And I think the most disappointing thing to me, Dan, is that, that you know, this announcement that was made yesterday about the minor league season being over means that the fans in State College, the fans in Johnson City, will never get a chance to see their team play their last season. You know, it, it could yeah. be that those teams are done forever. That's really tough, you know, and you're, you're trying to – all we've heard is trying to <clears throat> build up the game for those young fans and, and continue to grow the next generation. And so many times it's those young fans that will see that guy come through that particular town and then they go to the next city and the next level and eventually become a big leaguer. And, you know, y you follow that guy. And that's what becomes so tough for me to to handle that plan. I, I understand the economics of the game and the sport. I get it. I'm not paying and writing those checks. But I don't know, Brian, that's that becomes kind of the tough part about this for me. Yes, it just it, we just get the feeling and maybe it's because we're we feel strong, more strongly about this because we're weary having gone three months of arguing over money, but it just seems like, you know, baseball is being managed like any other corporation where the focus is on the bottom line. How do I um, maximize revenue and cut expense? And, you know, baseball is a, a public trust and they need to be investing in their future. And the feeling of a lot of folks are that they're, that they're not paying attention. They don't really have their eye on that ball. And, you know, Ian Desmond uh, from the Rockies, one of the players who who's opted to not play this season, uh, put up a very, very heartfelt 
uh, message to fans. And a lot of attention was focused on his concerns about race and how that's been handled in baseball. But he also talked a lot about his experience as a youth and the importance of grassroots support of baseball to the future of the game. And, you know, I just feel a lot better if I could see the leaders of the game, like a Rob Manfred stand up and, and talk about growing the game and the importance of the future and not just about how much money's being made or, you know, how much is being spent. And it's just, it's just a disappointing place. It, this just been a tough year for baseball all, all around. What are you excited about uh, with the camp in Springfield? As a guy that follows these young players, what excites you, even though there's not games, but what do you think we can take as a positive? And, again, it's evaluation against competition, but what do you think the clubs can take away with some of these camps as they try to develop these players? Well, they're, they're, you know, they're looking at making sure that the top prospects are going to continue to get work. And remember, there's 14 players, 14 plus and four more as they get into August, who are going to end up in Springfield or in St. Louis now. So, you know, it could very well be guys like Genesis Cabrera and Fernandez and Cody Whitley and Herrera and uh, Edmundo Sosa and even Dylan Carlson, you know, are going to be in Springfield for a while. So they're going to be some very, very good players who are down there, and they know that they need to stay ready because that call could come from St. Louis at any point in time. Plus, there's a there's something called the Taxi Squad, which is going to consist of three players from this Springfield group that will travel with the major league team while they're on the road. One of those is going to be a catcher. So, you know, and that, and those guys could change based on the, on the road trip. So, you know, there's going to be an opportunity for all these guys in Springfield, not only to continue to work on their own development, but to try to compete so that they can be one of the guys on the taxi squad to spend time with the big league club. We've seen the draft uh, come and go, and the Cardinals are signing player after player. Just let's put a bow on the, the 2020 draft as Brian Walton evaluates the talent that has come through and the way that they allocated their funds. What did you think of, of how they did that and, and what went into the draft of the St. Louis Cardinals? You know, we've talked before about you know, Randy Flores now has been in his job for multiple years, and some of the drafts have gone well. Some of them, like 2017, that was hurt by the Fowler signing and the Houston hacking didn't go so well. But I will tell you, I am very, very impressed by the job that, that Flores and the Cardinals did in this draft. Not only in the selection of players, uh, because they took some gambles with three, you know, high uh, ceiling high school players in their first three picks, but then they followed it up uh, with with five college players, including some very good pitching talent. So, but I, I think the thing that I really liked about the draft was how they had a plan to spend their money because major league baseball dictates the, the ceiling, the cap that, that teams can spend on their draft picks. Now, they could move money around between players, but they have to stay to a total. And it was clear that Randy Flores had a plan in order, which guys he was going to sign in which order to make sure that he had enough money to get them all done. And he did. Ian Fidel uh, from Missouri, Missouri was the last one to sign. Uh, but they got all the guys signed uh, under under budget, but also very, very quickly. I mean, literally within like three weeks of the draft, all the guys are done. And, and a lot of the major league organizations aren't. Now, they, granted, the deadline's not till August 1st, and there's no games being played. So there's not a huge rush. But I just like the fact that it was pretty clear the Cardinals had a plan and they executed it very well. Now, the key will be, will any of these guys from this draft, you know, be a part of the, the guys in Springfield? They didn't get to play a spring season. Normally, you'd say, well, draft picks, they're, they're tired because they played their full high school or college season. Well, these guys didn't. So, you know, ideally, you know, you'd find a way to bring all seven of them in. 
But, you know, again, there are other guys in the organization that they have to invest in as well. So there's going to be some very tough calls made regarding, you know, which players get uh, assigned to Springfield. They also signed a, a young man from the Dominican, throws triple digits. Am I correct with that? That's right. Uh, a pitcher named Edwin Nunez, he got $525,000. Now, you know, that that's a pretty good side signing bonus, normally bigger than the Cardinals give. Now, it could have been more, but Edwin Nunez is 18 years old, which is a little bit old for prospects normally that come out of, of the international program. But, but this is what, you know, something the Cardinals have done before. The reason that Nunez was available so long, there was, there was some issue uh, that, uh, regarding his background that kept him ineligible a little longer than usual. But, I mean, a guy who throws 100 miles an hour uh, has a curve and a changeup as well, and, uh, you know, good size, 6'3", is a guy that maybe, you know, could move fairly fast through the system. And he's another one where you say, well, you know, do you send the Dominican? Where do you, where do you go to, you know, get him his initial attention? But the Cardinals have basically, for their international program, gone more for a quantity rather than high quality. Uh, Luis Robert, the the big player that the that the White Sox have that's close to the major leagues, the Cardinals, you know, bowed out of the bidding on him when it got over fifty million dollars. But you know, they typically go for signing a lot of less expensive guys and hope that a few of them will come through. So you know, Nunez uh, was the highest bonus from this year's class uh, that I'm aware of for the thirty seven guys that they've already signed during this July second period. And finally, Brian, even though the minor league season is at this point. Uh, canceled. We hope to have minor league baseball next year, but everything continues at thecardinalnation.com. So what are you working on? Well, the most recent article up, I went through this whole um, pluses and minuses of all the various candidates the Cardinals might bring into this alternate spring training site in Springfield. They said if they were just going for major league ready guys, here's the guys they would take if they just went for prospects. And then I kind of landed, landed in the middle and gave my predictions of how I think it would be. Um, we've also, uh, uh, have a story, of course, about Nunez, a story about Randy Flores' plan that I, that I covered briefly, uh, stories, backgrounds about each of the, of the prospects that the Cardinals, uh, drafted and signed, including stories about their backgrounds and their family and their coaches talking about. And we're going to continue to, uh, cover, uh, as we get through, uh, the summer camp in St. Louis and get toward opening day on July 23rd or 24th. I hope we get there. Fingers crossed. What do you think? I think we can do it. I hope we do. I think we'll get there. The question will be how long can we stay there? And, uh, you know, everybody's got their fingers crossed at this point. You got it. Thanks, Brian. We'll catch you up next week. I appreciate it. Take care, Dan. So what do you think? The minor league season, it is gone for 2020. And we'll see some teams reduced from the minor leagues looking ahead to 2021. Many thanks to Brian Walton. Want to get your thoughts, 65780, and also Rhino Shield mic drops as well. You're listening to the Wednesday edition, Scoops with Danny Mack on 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mack in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, 1048 in St. Louis. Dan McLaughlin back with you. And this is on the 314 Air Comfort Service text line. Danny Mack, love the show. What happens with the top picks? Well, as we mentioned with Brian Walton, they would have a choice, I would imagine, if they wanted to, to send them to Springfield. I doubt that would happen. But remember before the start of spring training, the Cardinals... They had uh, some of the best prospects in baseball. Matter of fact, the Cardinals have three in the top 100. Dylan Carlson was number 17, I believe. 
and that was in the MLB.com. Uh, Nolan Gorman was in the top 50. Matthew Libertor was in the top 60. Gorman had 26 home runs, I believe, 20 steals uh, as a 20-year-old between double and triple A. And uh, overall, the Cardinals, by the way, this is off the top of my head, they placed at least two prospects in the top 100 in five straight years. So they have uh, really been getting great production out of those young kids coming up. And you'd have to think that that is going to be the case this year if you have the virus that comes in and affects the team. You know, the rookies last year, Dakota Hudson, Tommy Edmond, Giovanni Gallegos, huge factors for the team last year. That, again, could be a big factor for this club this year with some of those young kids making an impact on the team in 2020. Uh, Let's go to the 6-3-6. It's heartbreaking for the minor leaguers who will now be scrambling to make money for a living. I should point out, by the way, Cardinals are going to pay the minor leaguers all the way through uh, the minor league season. And uh, Mr. DeWitt and the Cardinals have uh, vowed to pay uh, the employees all the way through October. I should make that uh, a mention. So, again, the DeWitts uh, stepping up. To continue with the 636 here uh, makes me even angrier at MLB for their impasses getting to this point. I think I'm out for watching this year my way of protesting. I get it, but this is where they were going anyway. If this was a regular season after this year, they were going to more than likely eliminate 40 teams. That was going to eliminate jobs. One way to look at it, in my opinion, by the way, is whether or not we had the virus hit us, I do look at expansion. I I just think they're going to have two teams expand. And now that the virus has hit, I definitely think that's coming. That's two teams. That's expansion money. That's realignment. And that's expanded postseason. I definitely think that's going to happen. I really do. Uh, let's go to the Rhino Shield mic drop. And this is John. And I believe that, one, either the owners are very, very greedy or they know something we don't know about future baseball seasons and the amount of financial trouble they're in. They should be supporting the minor league systems. They should be funding them through this for a couple of years if they need to. Well, the thing is, the uh, the minor leagues are family-run businesses. So what the major leagues do, they give them the players, but the players, to an extent, are, you know, while they're paid by the major league teams, you know, a lot of those players are just there to help the top prospects because you got to have nine guys on the field. They're not prospects, typically. You have some that are there because Matthew Libertor, when he was down in A-ball, needed guys to field the ball. It was Matthew Libertor that was the prospect. Um, it's worth pointing out from the 314 that the team with a lot of top prospects are the teams that aren't winning right now. NLCS, three top 100 is huge. Yeah, and the Cardinals have been doing that time and again. And as I pointed out, um, you know, the Cardinals have placed at least two prospects in the top 100 in five straight years. And all but once since 2012. And they're winning. That's where their pipeline is. They develop, too. So they're not only getting good prospects and drafting well, and they're not drafting high, But then once they get into the system with Gary LaRock and the coaching staffs there in the minor leagues, they don't have a lot of turnover with the coaching staffs. And whether you want to believe it or not, the Cardinal way, they're developing players. That's why they win. It's been really good, really good. And whether you want to believe it or not, that's how they're winning. 
314, MLB missed the bubble boat, and it's a matter of time before several players on one team gets infected. This isn't going to work, fellas. Um, Well, MLB did try, and I've talked about this numerous times. Uh, One of the first proposals for MLB, they went to the Players Association when they were negotiating, and MLB said to the players, they said, why not try to do a bubble-type system? And they looked at Arizona and Florida, and then later they included Texas. And as I talked about in the open, this is so fluid. Now do you really want to be in Arizona, Florida, or Texas? I don't think so. So this is fluid as we go along. The benefit for MLB right now, as opposed to the NBA and the NHL, the amount of players they can pull from. Ideally, would you like to be in a bubble? Probably. Do you want to be in general society with the amount of players that are out there and and have them mingling in general society? Probably not. Is it going to be tough to pull off? You bet it is. Nothing's ideal. But the players didn't want to do that. They wanted to be in their homes. And as it was talked about with one of the writers that I played a clip from, you know, let's say a player goes out and you're on a 10 or 14 game road trip and I haven't seen a schedule yet. I'm assuming we're going to see one next day or two. And a player is perfect, you know, does everything to a T. Goes to the ballpark, comes home, quarantines or stays in his room, I should say, and comes home, isn't infected, has been tested, 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 uh, doesn't test positive, but uh, has his wife at home, has his, uh, his kids, and you don't know where your wife or kids have been. They go to the pool or they go to the grocery store and they're living like we all are living, but you don't know if they're infected and they infect you and you go to the clubhouse. That's part of it. You know, it's just uncertainty. There's uncertainty with all of it. The question will be for all these sports is the amount of people that are infected at what point is enough enough? How many players can you handle that are going to be infected to where the competition isn't worth it and the health and safety isn't worth it? And that's the question that each sport will have to answer. And there is no um, guideline for that. There isn't, at least in my um to my knowledge, I don't think it's in that protocol that says, well, you got five, you're out, you're done. They have to answer that all together and collectively, and we just don't know. Ribs, BK, cross it over when we come back. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Ribs and BK out at Centene, and uh, I'll bring in BK. Um... PK, what do you have coming up on the show today? Oh, Dan, it's a big one today. It's always a big one when we have you on Wednesdays. Oh, yeah. But today, we also have Chris Kerber at 1130. We've got Keith Law coming up at 1215 to talk a little Dylan Carlson in the outfield situation for the Cardinals. And we're going to open today with a potential tide turning with the NHL's return. Uh, Jamie yesterday sent me some tweets that I found particularly interesting. So a lot to get into today. Let me ask you guys. I said, is this one of the most important months in the history of North American sports with everything trying to come back? What do you think? Am I am I off base? Is it too much? What do you think? No, I think you're bang on with it, Danny. I mean, look, everybody, uh, if Major League Baseball, Hockey, NBA, look, everybody involved in those sports and the fans, certainly, they want it back. But unfortunately, this virus is the opponent right now, and it's causing a lot of problems in different areas for the, the comeback of sports. So uh, hopefully these teams, these leagues can put great protocols in place. Hopefully the players can adhere to them, and hopefully we get something because 
Man, I miss sports. I do, too. Guys, looking forward to it. Ribs BK next on 101 ESPN. You have been listening to the TV voice of the St. Louis Cardinals. Scoops with Danny Mack on 101 ESPN.